continuing our Kingdom Life series. Kingdom Life means being different, standing out in the crowd, working against, moving against the tide, creating a new tide, a new, a new example of what Jesus came to bring in this world, being a light unhidden, being a city set on the hill. And we are continuing to talk about that and to, to give you each the impetus to, to live the fullness of what Jesus died for you, to, to live every part of what God has for you. Father, I just pray that as we continue on this series, that you would speak to every heart. You would, you would deliver every person from fears, insecurities. You would enable us to make the choices of champions, Lord God. You would enable us to live the fullness of what we have. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, I was going to do this at the end of the service, but I feel like I want to do it now. Is that this church is going into a new season. This, this church is stepping into something big. This church is stepping into something monumental. Yes, yes, yes. Can you just turn to your neighbor and say, you are born for great things. So recently, a number of us have been searching for properties, and we, we, were, uh, we were introduced to this particular property. When I arrived there, it was nothing but brambles and bushes. And then we pushed our way through the bushes, and we saw what was on the property, and our mouths dropped. So there is a fantastic house with so many rooms that we could house our offices. We could house ministries for Africa. We could, we could house people. We could, we could do incredible things. Then, just as I was like, oh my word, this is perfect for us. We walked around the corner and there at the top of the hill are three warehouses. One that is able to fit every single one of you and your friends in it. Yeah. <laughs> And two that are able, two extras that we could use for children's church, seminar rooms, etc. So right now my, my mouth is, if it was on the floor before, I'm scraping up dirt right now. And as we went through this property, I tried not to look too enthusiastic because you know that drives up the price. So I was trying to look nonchalant. We managed to get our elders and citywide elders and some of our leaders there to look at it. And church, we made an offer on that property yesterday we handed in the offer i know it is it is so so exciting you know and and in negotiations i'm i'm almost 100 sure that we're going to get this property we'll know by tomorrow night but what i want you to do is i want i'm going to ask you to take time to pray if we do get this property, we are going to have to raise a significant amount of money to buy it and to do the upgrades. But, you know, I felt Jesus just breathe on it. I felt God's pleasure on it. I felt God say, you can do this. I'm with you in this. And so I just, I want to ask you guys, we're going to be doing a bigger presentation next week. Um, in light of this, we're going to be showing you pictures, telling you what it's going to take, etc. So I'm going to ask you to, between now and then, just be in prayer, asking God for this breakthrough, asking God for this property, asking God for favor in the heart of the seller, that he would just see what we want to do, and he would say, yes, give it them. And we've offered him full price, so I'm, I can't see why he would not give it to us. But I just, I'm asking you to, partner with us 
you know, from that, from that place or the place that God gives us, whether it's this place or another place, we are going to touch the world. There's a destiny and a call on this church to destroy the strongholds of this nation, to bring liberty to individuals, to bring liberty to society, to create an environment where the glory of God is known and shown. So I'm going to ask you to be in prayer for this. Amen. I have a picture at the end of my slides of where the property is. I'll show you that. So hold on to your seats. It's coming. But listen to me in the meantime. Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord God, that we are, we are moving in this direction, Lord God. You are taking us on a journey that's filled with excitement. There are miracles and breakthroughs in front of every single person as we move to this place, Lord God. You are opening doors. You are making a way. You are, you are bringing great things into our path, Lord God. And Father God, I want to thank you that you chose us. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for choosing us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So I want you to think for a moment about a family. There's a father who has built up a wealthy empire, who has started companies, who's done incredible things, who has influenced society, and he has billions in his bank account. He's got billions of assets, billions of rands worth of assets. And this great man who has served the kingdom but also built this empire has three sons. And these three sons are very clear that at the end of their father's life, they are going to inherit all of this. The first son his attitude is, you know, I'm, I'm not so sure that my father is going to do it right. I'm not so sure that, that I'm actually going to get the inheritance. I, and so every bit of money that I get from my father, I'm going to take it and I'm going to stash it underneath my mattress. And so for years, he's been hoarding up rands. He's been hoarding up stuff. I mean, his mattress is very lumpy because there is stuff under there. And you know, every time he raises his mattress, there's a tidy sum that's gathering under that mattress. Then he had an, another son, and this son is pretty much, oh, you know, when my dad dies, I'm going to be so wealthy. So what the heck? I am going to live it up. And every cent he gets, every bit of allowance, every salary he gets, he's out partying and he's living the life. Then there is a third son. And this son says this. One day I'm going to inherit my father's business. Will I be the kind of person that can take that business further? Will I be the kind of person that can continue the influence and the impact of my father? How will I be that person? I'm going to stick close to my dad. I'm going to watch how he makes decisions. I'm going to see how he interacts with people. I'm going to learn. And in, in every way possible, every good thing that my father is, I will become. Now, at the end of that father's life, he most certainly is going to divide that inheritance in three. I want to ask you this question. What will happen to the inheritance that the first son gets? Listen, it won't fit under his mattress. But here's the thing. He has not practiced the skills necessary to handle that kind of money. He's built up defenses and insecurities. He's going to be the kind of leader that keeps things to himself, controls things, doesn't release finances, doesn't release opportunities. He's going to be the kind of man that loses that money. 
The second son, what kind of future is he going to have with that inheritance? I mean, it's gonna, he's going to go out in a blaze of glory. You know that? I mean, he, he's going to be in the newspapers. Everyone will know about what he's doing. He, his uh, social life is going to be across every tabloid, in the social media. It's going to be everywhere. But nothing lasts forever when it's treated like that. And so what's going to end up, it's going to, that, that wealth and that influence is going to slip through his fingers. And then the third son. What's going to happen to the money he inherits? inherits? That's going to be our totally other scenario. He's going to take what he has, and, and because he's built up the character, the understanding, the knowledge of how to handle it, he's going to take that and he's going to build that empire further. He's going to increase the influence. He's going to make it work. Now, here's the wild thing. When Jesus died, he promised you an inheritance. Every single one of us has inheritance. And I'm going to tell you this. He's does not discriminate. You are going to get an inheritance that is so big, so wild, so crazy, so enormous. What are you going to do with it? There is an inheritance already there for you. But here's the thing. Everyone gets the same access to that almighty God. Everyone gets the benefits of what Jesus did. Some people make it work. Some people don't. It's not dependent on the size of inheritance you get. It's not dependent on the blessings that you were born with. It's not dependent on how many good breaks you get. It's dependent almost entirely on the choices you make. Your daily decisions determine your destiny. You know, God challenged me some years ago. He said this. I've been praying since I was, I don't know how long. Lord, help me to be an influential person. Help me to be the kind of person that leaves the world in a better place than I found it in. I've been praying that since I don't know how long. And one day God came to me and he said this. My answer is yes, but will you be the kind of person who can do that? You know, I, I feel like sometimes God has, to, has had to drag me kicking and screaming to the blessings. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like God has by you, you by the scruff of the neck and he's pulling you through circumstances that are so hard, they're so excruciating, you're just screaming all the way. You're like shaking your ha- ha- fist at heaven and saying, God, why are you doing this to me? He brings you on the other side and it's beautiful and magnificent. And you say, oh, my apologies, Lord. I wish I just walked calmly into this blessing. But that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about being the kind of people that will inherit the blessings, who will live out the blessings, who will have the kind of encounters with God and through God that will literally shake the foundations of our society, our environments, who will make the world stand up and take notice, who will live the kind of shining examples of God's glory and blessing that the people around you say, oh my word. Who are you and who is your God? Could we be those kind of people? I want to talk about champion choices. I was going to, you've heard of the the breakfast of champions. You've heard of that. I'm going to talk about the choices of champions. 
we're going to read a story from Exodus. You'll remember this, the, we've been speaking about Exodus quite a lot in this series. We, some time back, we, we, we emphasized a different part of Exodus. We talked about Aholiab and Bezalel. You remember those, those guys that had never been heard before, and then bam, into history annals they come, and they're the first people full to the Spirit to do immense things for God. We're going to backtrack a little bit along the story, and we are going to be talking about the instance where Israel, who's been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years, is brought out by God after 10 plagues have ravaged Egypt. And these, this great horde of over a million people has come out of Egypt, and they, they are on the banks of the Red Sea, encamped. And I don't know how it first happened or how they first noticed, but perhaps one person was busy resting, heard the sound of hoofbeats, looks up, and there they see the Egyptian army coming after them. Chariots, horses, armed men. There is not a weapon amongst these Israelites that we know of. This people who, whose greatest skill is making bricks without straw. Encamped. I mean, how do you get a million people to move anyway? And here comes an army after them, sea before them, army behind them. And we know the story. I mean, it is, it is laid in the foundations of Jewish history. It is the mark of that nation. It is the thing that told them God is with us. In that moment, God opens the sea. We're going to pick up the story in verse 10 and read it. If you have your Bibles, open there with me. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you, you need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on, raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them, and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side, so neither went near the other all night long. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. What kind of wind parts the sea? All night there was this blazing wind, the presence of God speaking to that water. Stand to the left, stand to the right, my people are coming. What kind of wind does that? 
You know, we often think, Andrew and I were talking in the car on the way here, you, people often think that Moses just put out his staff and bam, the waters were to the side. Can you imagine, can you imagine this picture? You know, sometimes we want instant answers, but sometimes we have to stand in the wind as God moves the mountains, as God moves the issues, as God changes our hearts, as God makes a way, as God's power comes and invades the environment and says, stand to the right, stand to the left. My people is, are coming. My son is here. My daughter is here. Stand aside. We're going through. And I want to say to you today that that's the kind of God we serve. If you are on the path that he is taking you, he is speaking to the elements. He is speaking to the environment. There is nothing that will stand between his, dest the, his destiny for you yeah. and where you are now. Yeah. Good. But you know, these, these people and Moses himself, they had to make some choices in this time. I mean... This great story that just resonated through Jewish history took something from them in the sense of it took them making some choices. Have you ever, have you ever made a choice that afterwards you realize you didn't have all the facts? Have you ever made that kind of choice? My, mine happened to me when I was about eight years old, and my mom came to me with a beautiful smile on her face, and she said this to me, Carol, would you like to learn to ride horses? And I, seeing the joy on her face, said, yes, mom. Then she took me off to a stable every week where they taught me how to ride horses. How many of you ride horses? Great, not many of you. Let me say, don't worry. It's not important. Because you know those beautiful horses you see in the adverts, riding across this open field, gleaming, shining, muscles rippling. Behind them is a beautiful car of a brand we won't say. <laughs> Everything is majestic, lovely, sleek, and beautiful. No, that's not how it is. That's not how it is. Horses are big, smelly, and they sweat. I, I mean, after like a three months, I had been bitten on my shoulder. I had had a big, heavy brute stand on my foot so that my foot was swollen and bruised for like a week. My mom still made me go to the lesson with a swollen foot. Just saying, I had a, that kind of mom. I had been thrown off. Like, like you get to a stage where you learn to jump. I'm like, I'm just staying on this darn horse. Why do you want to make it jump over a fence now? But anyway, that came along. And, I, and you know, the, the, the horse was more intelligent than my teacher. You know, it's like when, she, when the horse came to the fence, it just said no. <laughs> and I kept going. The momentum kept me going. The horse stopped. I kept going. I didn't make it over the fence. But, you know, it was painful. And then this was the absolute last straw for me. Absolute last straw for me. We're walking along. I had my new jeans on. I'm like about 10 years old. I've been going at this for a couple of years. I, I've got my new jeans on. You know what you feel about your new jeans at 10? And the horse takes me past this fence with a nail sticking out. And it, it gets close enough where the nail hooks my jeans and it just keeps walking. I mean, I'm pulling on those reins. It just keeps walking. <laughs> I mean, I, I remember I got off the, 
horse handed it over to the person who was going to take the saddle off. I was like, I'm not even doing that. Headed back to the car, got in the car, looked at my mom and said, I'm not riding horses anymore. Done. Done. It's like I made the decision without all the information. Now, now, that's kind of a negative version of what, what, I, what these Israelites were experiencing. God said, come, I'm going to set you free. Come, come with me. And they got up, they, they had been given golds by their Egyptian masters. They're walking out into the desert. They're singing, rejoicing. We're free, we're free. Camped in front of this sea army behind them, and everything is going through this mind. He tricked us. He tricked us. He tricked us, which is often what I thought about my mom. My mom wasn't God. There was no silver lining at the end. Luckily, this story ends better. And here is going through their minds. God. God. What's going on? But here's one of the things. You know what? What would have happened if camped at that sea, they just said, Clearly, God was wrong. Egyptians, take us back. We surrender. Here's all your gold back. We're back. Show us where the bricks are to be made. We'll go for it. I mean, the Bible would be very short. It would go Genesis, Exodus, blank. (laughs) But here's the thing that God is asking us. In everything you do, God is giving you a choice. God is giving you a choice between freedom and familiarity. Because remember what they said. They said, didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. What are they saying? We like the old way. We got used to the old way. Guys, this is going to hurt a little. Are you okay? (laughs) Would you just let God hurt some places of your heart so that he can heal them? But you know what? I cannot tell you how much marriage counseling Andrew and I do. Where people are unwilling to change. And they see what a beautiful marriage is. They want the freedom, but they like the familiarity of how they've been behaving better. And so they choose to stay in the old ways and let go of the freedom. My friends, how many times does God show us a glorious future and we choose to stay the way we are? Listen to me. You cannot get the blessings that he's promising you by being the same as you are now. Now listen to me carefully. It's going to take you saying, God, I value the freedom you want to give me more than the familiarity of my surroundings. Guys, it's going to have to take stepping into a place that you have not known before. You know what? The world tells us this time and time again. Anything that new is new is dangerous. It's not true. New in God is always better. Listen to me carefully, church. It is the biggest, biggest hindrance to Christians experiencing the freedom they need. Gosh, how many, how many people have I counseled who've sat across from me in abusive relationships? And I've said to them, leave. And they have given me excuse after excuse after excuse of why they can't. What is that? I've learned how to live here. I'm scared of what it will be out there. I don't know it. And gosh, there's compassion. Let me hold your hand. Let me walk with you into it. But here's the thing. 
Guys, if we are going to be the champions, if we're going to ha- carry the inheritance, if we are going to be the people who are going to live the kind of lives that we've always dreamed of, we're going to have to choose freedom above familiarity. Yeah, we're going to have to choose freedom above familiarity. Yeah, I've got two statements that I'm going to make that again, guys, you know what? If we always just talk about things that are sweet and lovely and kind, we'll always stay the same. So I'm going to ask you to grab this and say, God, yes. Yes, that's the kind of person I want to be. I want to be the kind of person that crosses the sea. I don't want to be forever encamped on the bank, fearful of the armies coming. I want to be the kind of person that crosses, that gets to my promised land. Just because you haven't experienced anything else doesn't mean that there isn't anything else. I'm going to say this. Your dreams for your life are too small. I want to say this. Your expectations of God are too little. I want to say this to you. That your goals are way below God, where God wants to take you. How do I know that? Because we're human. Constantly as God walks with you, He is going to take you into realms that you didn't dream of. He's going to test your paradigms. He's going to be shaking your foundations. Guys, I'm going to ask you this. Can you make a decision in your heart to say yes to Jesus? Even when the wind's howling, can you say that's just opening up a way through the sea? Even when the armies are coming, can you say, oh God, this is you pushing me forward. When you feel yourself being grabbed by the the neck collar and dragged through an uncomfortable situation, can you say, God, thank you that you're taking me to victory that I didn't even know was there? Can we be those kind of people that say yes? We say yes to freedom. Just because you are used to your dysfunction doesn't mean that it's your identity. Guys, so many times I sit with people and I ask you, I ask them about their lifestyle and they say, that's just who I am. I know you're laughing because you've all heard it. I can't help the way I am. I can't help my sexual orientation. I can't help my personal preferences. I can't help my personal desires. Guys, that's rubbish. You are who God says you are. You are who God says you are. You are not a sum total of your preferences. Preferences change. And this is the problem, is that you can be locked into dysfunctional environments and you can begin to think, who I am in this environment is who I am. No. That's the beauty of the cross, is that Jesus died to make you a different person. Jesus died to make you a different person. The person you were born as cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The point of the cross is this. The point of the cross is this, is that he reached down and said, I see who you can be and I will make you that. And you said yes. And that means you are not the identity of your dysfunctional environment. 
You are not who your environment has told you you are. You are who God says you are. And guys, this is what it means. To choose freedom over familiarity means this. You are going to have to give up your idols. Oh, I don't have any idols. Yes, you do. You're going to have to give up your idols. Those things that make you feel good. Those things you run to when you're feeling anxious and angry. Those things that you draw on instead of Jesus that make you feel bolstered. You name it for yourself. I mean, I can start a list. I'll tell you why I can start a list because I have them all. This is how I know that you will not inherit what God has for you until you're willing to give those things up. Until you say, God is my everything. Are we all here together? Are we all happy? Enter through the narrow gate, Jesus said, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Guys, be different. You're going to have to stand up, be counted, go a different way, be a different kind of person, choose freedom over familiarity, be different from the environment around you. You're going to have to give up your idols, resist idolatry. So what's the next choice that was offered those Israelites? was offered Moses. Exodus 14 says this, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. The Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. What was he saying to their unwillingness to accept freedom over familiarity? He said, you must have faith. And he defined faith for us, which was so great. It's not, it's not quoting verses at the wall nonstop, but if you need to do that, do that. It's not being obnoxious at work with the people around you. That's not faith. Faith is this. Stand firm, be still. Stand firm, be still. When that wind rages, stand firm. There is a good God who is parting the sea for me. I don't see it right now. All I hear right now is a blazing noise. I see water splashing all over there and I hear the hoofbeats of an army behind me. That's all I I hear right now, but now I'm going to stand. This is the time I'm going to stand. What does it mean to stand? It means that when people around you are telling you how bad everything is, you say, no, I have a God in heaven who works for me. Even Even in famine, I will sow. Even in difficult times, I will do what is right. I will be counted as a servant of the Most High God. I will stand on the truth I know and I will declare it. I will live it. I will be it. Stand firm. Ephesians 6 tells us to put on all the armor of God. And then it says, so that you, well, it starts off so you can stand firm against the wiles of the enemy. That means you're not going to cave to the lies that tell you you're no good, you can't make it. You're not going to cave to the lies that say everything is going down, there is no future for you. You're not going to cave to the lies that tell you your faith is stupid and it doesn't mean anything. You're not going to cave to the lies that tell you that God is not good, that he's abandoned you. 
When the wind is raging, the water is flying, and the hooves are beating, you will stand firm. Be still. Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Now, we know what it didn't mean. It didn't mean they were to do nothing. Because I've heard Christians being still, and what it literally means is they just do nothing. They become passive. No, that's not what this verse is saying at all. Because they had to walk through that water. I mean, you don't get through a sea with, by sitting on your behind. Be still. Be still was about an internal environment. It's the fight you fight every day. It's the pushing away of anxieties. I know what it's like. There's not a day that goes by that my mind is not telling me about some disaster that's about to happen. My mind makes up disasters. And you're looking at me strangely. No, I know yours does too. It's like the options of what could go wrong are endless. This be still means I have to push against those lies. I have, to, I have to ground myself in the knowledge of God. There is a God on the throne who, who did not even hold back his own life, who did not allow comfort or personal gain to get in the way of rescuing me. If there is a God who would die for me, there is a God who will stop at nothing to see his purposes come to pass in my life. I can stand and I can be still and I can be sure that there is a good God. I can be sure. Standing firm and being still means don't compromise. Guys, don't compromise. Don't compromise. And the last point, you need to choose moving forward over complaining. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I feel like South Africans have lifted complaining to an art form. I mean, we do it well. Exodus 14, 15, and 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? It's like your whining is getting to me. Can you stop? Tell the Israelites to move. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Complaining entrenches you as a victim. Complaining positions you for disaster. Complaining puts you in a place where you become the victim of the environment. There are only three options when things aren't going well. Leave the situation, change the situation, or accept the situation. Complaining, complaining doesn't make a change. And this is what the Israelites were doing. They had, well, Moses was doing, should I say. I mean, it's like God saying, why are you, quit crying out to me. You know what, prayer is not wrong, but if your prayers are continuous moanings towards God about why things are not great, then there is a problem. God's answer to you is stop complaining. Move forward. Move forward. Do the thing I have told you to do. A famous person who I have no idea if he was a Christian or not, but gosh, I hope he was, made the statement, a ship is safe in harbor, but that's not what ships were built for. At some stage, at some stage, you've got to take the next step. 
You've got to just do what is in front of you. You know, there are days. You remember Jesus, um, Jesus, Andrew is close to Jesus, was sick for 20 years. I remember there were mornings that I woke up and I had to say this to myself. Today, I'm simply going to get out of bed and I'm going to do the right, the next right thing that is in front of me. I'm going to love people. I'm going to build the kingdom. I'm going to talk about God's goodness. I'm going to declare His goodness. I'm going to believe for miracles. I am going to do what He said. I am going to make disciples. I am going to do the next right thing that is in front of me. What is that? I'm going to move forward. I'm going to, in obedience, do what God has told me to do. How do we do this? I want you to just picture this for me. Israel is facing an impossible situation. However, however, they have just come out of Egypt with more gold than they could ever imagine. Remember they built the tabernacle which was many, many millions of dollars worth of gold. 53 million, I believe. I want you to picture that for a moment. They have just experienced God invade Egypt with 10 plagues that have undercut the gods of Egypt one by one. They have come out with a great and mighty hand. And they, Moses stands on the brink of that sea. And instead of remembering what God has done, he's complaining about what is. And his faith is in the wrong place. And God's saying, no, move forward. How do you do that? You remember who God is. How do you remember who God is? You remember what he has done, what he is doing, and you forget about what is not happening. What is God doing now? I'm going to do that. Remember what God is doing, not what he's not doing. In conclusion, when we choose freedom over familiarity, faith over fitting in, obedience over complaining, extraordinary breakthroughs happen.